Good morning, New Church Live. My name is Angela Cooper, and I work here at New Church Live, helping plug people into the community and things going on. And we are busy preparing for Easter, which is a true sign that spring is coming. It's not quite here yet, but I don't know about you, but I'm um, anxiously awaiting the arrival of spring. Longer days and uh, warmer temperatures. Anyway, I just want to welcome you to New Church Live and fill you on on a few things that are going on. Um, I don't know if you've seen on some of our social media, but we are putting together Easter kits similar to what we did for the Christmas season. Um, Obviously not the same items, but um, we're putting together little kits that you can do as a family and participate at home. And those are free of charge. So if you're interested in receiving one, um, you can put your information on the chat window or you can fill out the contact form on our website. I just need to make sure that I have your mailing address and I will send that in the mail to you. Um, And I've been sending out a few of them. It's really fun to put them together. And I have kids. I know it's fun to think about fun Easter things to do together um, as we celebrate still in quarantine. But um, we just appreciate everybody participating from home. There's going to be a handful of things uh, that Pastor Chuck in a video is going to fill you in on going on with Easter. Um, And those Easter kits will be helpful in participating. So if you want one, like I said, they're free and we hope that you'll participate. Um, the next thing I want to mention is we dropped off a ton of stuff at St. Francis in this week. And by we, I mean, one of our lovely volunteers did, um, there are some of the items that we collected. They were blown away by your generosity and, um, we're still collecting items, um, diapers and snack items. I believe they're all set with water. Um, but if you want to contribute, we have an Amazon wish list um, that goes out in our newsletter and you can just have items delivered to our door or you're welcome to drop off, um, like I said, snack food, you know, prepackaged snack food, um, or, um, diapers, things like that. They are accepting no clothes at this time. They're all set with that. Um, and we're also going to be delivering a meat delivery, um, that pastor Chuck talked about in a service a few weeks back. So you all are amazing stepping up and supporting this community as we, um, you know, navigate the cold winter months and the middle of a pandemic. It's just great to see this congregation supporting, um, the local community. So thank you for everybody for donating. Thank you to our lovely volunteer who has slept it all down there. Um, it's just a great way to continue our, you know, community service outreach. Um, and if you want more information about ways to get involved like that, like I said, we have a newsletter. Um, you can fill out the, like I said before, the contact form on our website, or you can put your information in the chat window and I'll be sure to sign you up for that newsletter. It goes out once a week and it has all the details about, you know, things like Easter, community service, small groups, all the things that are going on here at New Church Live. So it's a great way to keep up to date. Um, and if you want to support all of those initiatives, we are reliant on your contributions. Um, so if you want to make a donation and support, you know, the Easter kits or anything that's going on, all you have to do is text the word New Church Live all one word, all lowercase to 77977. um, And you can make a donation that way. And it really helps us meet our financial goals so that we can continue to support you, our congregation and the local community and all the things that are going on here. So we just so appreciate that. 
The last thing I want to mention is Pastor Chuck actually was called out to, unfortunately, to do a funeral this past weekend. So we're lucky to have um, Curtis filling in for him. But he put together a video about some of the upcoming Easter uh, events and services that are going to be going on. Like I said, we're busy preparing for it and trying to support this congregation as we still are doing everything virtually. So here's a video from Pastor Chuck about ways to get involved. I will notice he made it before we switched the date um, of one of our events. So on the bottom, it has switched. But um, he just wanted to reach out to you and let you know what to expect this Easter season. So welcome to New Church Live. Um, You'll see Curtis come and speak a little bit later. um, But we're so thrilled that you're here today. Thanks, everyone. Hi, folks. Pastor Chuck Blair here. Believe it or not, we're getting ready for Easter, which is hard to imagine because there's snow, no trees, no flowers, no nothing. But what a good time to start to get ready for Easter that is. So a couple of things I want to put out there that we have going on here at New Church Live in this season. We're really trying to work towards connecting as best we can to these bigger messages that can mean so much in our lives, as well as the community that can mean so much to our lives as well. First off, for families. For families, what we're going to be offering this year, again, for young families is small pop-up churches. We're going to be doing two of them. It'll be on on Thursday, March 25th, and Thursday, April 1st. These are short, half-hour services designed for young families who want to give their children just a sense of the Easter story and a sense to connect with other families as well. We also are going to have offerings for just for adults. There's a few of those I really want to make note of. The first is an offering for adults on Thursday, March 4th, called Preparing for Easter. We're going to meet on Zoom and just have a chance to connect one with another, talk about the Easter holiday, and just talk about what our hopes and dreams might be as we enter this beautiful, sacred season. So again, that's on Thursday, March 4th at 7 p.m. And the other offering, as always, is our great coffee and donuts program after church. A lot of people have been using this over this COVID season. What it is, it's just a simple chance to get together in fellowship and conversation hosted by a wonderful group of people out in Michigan. And it's a way just again to build that community. So we got a lot going on at Easter, a lot going on at Easter this year. You can find more and more of it on our homepage, www.newchurchlive.tv. And you can also get in touch with Angela who can fill you in or sign you up for our newsletter. So you can keep in touch and on top of all the different things we have going on this beautiful Easter season. So hope you can join us. Hope you can take part in all these different things that are part of New Church Live. Wishing you all the best this Easter season. Take care. Chuck's not here. So Chuck was asked to go and help with a uh, tragic situation, and that's what he did, because that's what he does, and that's what the spirit of New Church Live is. I would say Chuck saw a chance to make things better, and he took it. So what you're going to have here today is actually a little bit of his echo because he's the one that put together the awesome thought that you'll be hearing in this talk. And I'm just going to try to 
bounce it off myself uh, so, so that it reaches you. And I just want a, a chance to make things better. I'm glad I got to slip into the end of this series here. Because soapbox, who would, raise your hand if you want to be part of a chance to make things better. What, what better, what else is there in life? And what's the human race got in the pipeline for making things better right now? What do we do to make things better? Is technology making things better? I mean, you could say, look, we're going to develop this really, we're going to get all these super smart people together and we're going to develop this really awesome thing where you can take a picture of yourself and then all your friends all over the world can see it and they can like it and they can share it and they can comment on it. And now they can put like a laughy face on it. Does that make things better? Jury's out. I, I haven't seen it, but I hear these great things about there's this documentary called The Social Dilemma. The problem is you still got people's brains in it. Until you make that better, we're going to waste all these awesome inventions. People want to go to outer space regularly now. That's it's fine. But if we don't change the heart and the mind, we're gonna, it's going to be Star Wars. And not like the whimsical galaxy far, far away, but just there's just going to be human, human problems brought to another theater. So of course, of course we want to make things better. Of course, if there's a chance to make things better, that's what we want to do. That's why I would say all of you are here. That's why we do the church thing. Because this material, I think everybody who's drawn into religion and spirituality feels that, that this is the way to systemically upgrade everything, that we've got to have all those other awesome advancements in place. I have benefited a ton in my, the, what I do for my job through, through social media and through the internet. Obviously, this is connecting us right now. It's awesome. But we got to have this, uh, you know, nice, nice, wise people running everything. So that's why... We're all here is to try to make things better. So let that sit over every time you engage with anything in your church or in your spiritual community. It's about making things better. And today, we're going to make things better by being discerning and saying no to stuff. Because there's a bunch of great positive reinforcement that you can do. It is nice. It's a great communication style to focus on what these, if there's two groups that have difficulty working on things together, let's just look at what they do well together. Start with the positives. Don't try to argue out the negatives. I was just reading this article that said that really people aren't rational, we're emotional. So you think you're going to come at me with a bunch of facts and that's gonna override the fact that I feel attacked by you. It's not. We're emotional, we're not rational. So yes, it's good to be positive, but in the right space, when you're doing it to yourself and you're open to it, critiquing and saying, what, what? okay, we've got the positive stuff and we are curating that and we're allowing that to blossom and grow, but what about the negative stuff? And getting, getting that out of there 
That's the way that you raise the ceiling. Because, for example, let's say I'm going to give a speech here, and I've got, you know, I've got clothes that are ironed, and I've maybe I've practiced my unique New York diction, and maybe I've got in my head what I want to say and all that, and I've got good stage presence, and I make good gesticulations. What if I've got something in my teeth? Does it matter? Does the other stuff matter? <laughs> when they do leadership training. Sure, a lot of people can know their strengths, but if you don't know your weaknesses, the, or I should say, the quickest way to make a really positive difference is to understand your weaknesses and fix those. Because that is where there's usually this limiting factor. So how can we look for that limiting factor in us? This is a great quote um, that illustrates that. Better is the sinner who knows they are a sinner than the saint who believes that they're a saint. It's hyperbole, right? But it points to the importance of self-awareness and that self-awareness is such a critical, oh, I shouldn't say critical because we're going to be using that term in its negative connotation later. It's such an essential component of making things better. If you think of all the situations that we're in, in our home, our home life, with our family, in our friendships, in our work, maybe you've got something else, hobbies. How do you want to make all those scenarios or situations better? The way we're going to do that is to recognize where we are creating some of the problem. Yep, we do. Well, you sure know other people that are creating problem, and you know exactly where they're creating problem. Let's look at where we might be doing this. So we're going to look at the role of saying no to things in ourselves here today. And I'm looking, where, where do we see this sort of positive negativity in, uh, in the religious setting? Well, there's this thing that is called Lent and Ash Wednesday. I don't, I'm not an expert on this kind of stuff, so I'm just going to try to explain how I understand it. Maybe I'll make a fool of myself. I know, right? What have I been doing up to this point? But as I understand it, a little while ago we had this thing called Ash Wednesday, where people actually put ashes on the forehead. And there's all these articles online about what to do when your coworkers ask you, why do you have a smudge on your forehead? So this is, a, this is something people do, and it's a sign of repentance. They are sometimes called repentance ashes. This is a time when we're looking at ourselves and seeing what do I need to improve on? What do I need to get rid of? And in a lot of cases, what do I need to give up? There is a awesome quote from Swedenborg from New Church Theology about repentance. What does it mean, repentance? Actual repentance is examining oneself, recognizing and acknowledging one's sins, praying to the Lord, and beginning a new life. How do you like us talking about your sins? I, I know there's a lot of people with really negative associations with that because there's been a lot of religious guilt tripping in the world. And yeah, that can be super harmful, but I would say, let's look at the quote again. Actual repentance is examining oneself, recognizing and acknowledging one's sins. 
It doesn't say guilt trip yourself, because what does that do? It makes you miserable. It doesn't say you're worthless. It says recognize and acknowledge. Oh, there it is. Yeah, I see it. Just like in our imaginary uh, workplace leadership training where if you don't get that you talk over everyone else in meetings, then that destroys the ability of the meeting to go well because you're always talking over everybody. All it is is to say, and you probably, you don't realize that you're doing it and you certainly don't realize that it makes other people feel like they can't say what they want to say because you're just thinking, oh, I have something really good to say here. Oh, I better keep this thing on track. Just to be able to recognize, not, so not just know, oh, I do talk over, over other people, but also to admit that that's not ideal. To say, I shouldn't do that. And that, to get there, you've got to have an understanding of the opposite. You've got to realize that there's a, a better potential in allowing for a little bit of groupthink and allowing for people that the benefits you gain from getting people feeling like they're invested and they have a voice, not to mention you'll get a better, more robust idea vetting mechanism. It's just an example. I won't take it too far. But it just means, I've heard it described like a sin is just you're shooting a basketball and you miss. Isn't that the actual word sin originally was about missing the target? So you miss, yeah, that's great. But if you are in denial that you missed, <laughs> it's gonna be a problem for your team. Okay, so we've got this idea of repentance. And actually this repentance is a lot of the hard work that God is doing. It's, if, if you were asked God, what's your day job? Yeah, I don't know. That would be, I'd love to do that. But I think it, part of it is God is trying in all of us to get us, like there's certainly a lot of God that's got to just be enjoying what we love and, and being proud of us and being happy with you know, the things that, that touch us with joy. I think about it like being a parent there's a slice of parenthood that is just, wow, they're cute. And I just like playing with them. But there's also this other side, which is, oops, that's a behavior that's, that's going to, if we don't do something about this now, it's going to get worse and worse. And it's actually ultimately going to destroy their ability to function with peers, to have a happy, contented life. So God is doing that with us. And let's, so let's give God a, hand, a, a helping hand here. That's what, I guess that's what Lent is all about. It's about what this looking at the, the sacred no is all about. So let's, let's take on a little bit of God's work right here. You see, in our lives, you could, if you wanted to break it down like this, and I love this little chart that Chuck made, it's like you have negative, that's like positives and negatives, right? Top and bottom there. You have negative internal habits and negative external habits. You also have positive internal habits and positive external habits, and we're going to leave the positives out of it for now. We'll come back to them at the end, because this one is about, remember, 
there's a lot of time to spend on positivity. Let's spend a little fun time on negativity. So let's look at the negative internal habit. This would be critical, yeah, being critical. Let's give the example of that. All right, next slide. There's a quote in Matthew that says, they tie up heavy loads and put them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Come on. <laughs> that happens. Well, it's just, it's the fundamental attribution error. You guys know that, right? I've probably talked about that on this stage. When somebody else does something, it's because it's they're a jerk or they're lazy or something, some internal thing. And when you don't do it, it's because you're tired or you'll get to it tomorrow. It's some excuse. So this is the, this is the mindset of being critical is, look, I've, this person, I'm going to judge them in a way I wouldn't judge myself, and I'm going to critique their performance for the, for the fun of it in my mind, right? So you, if you have these internal habits, and everybody has that to some extent, well, maybe not everybody, but most of us do, right? And that, the more that that runs rampant in the mind, and with some people, God bless them, there, there really is no filter. Just people will just say what's on their mind, even when it's just not a good thing to say. But for most of us, we've got kind of this screen in between. But the more we have this, these internal negative habits running around in there, the more it leads to external negative habits. Again, we've got a great Bible quote to illustrate this. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. <laughs> it's not supposed to be funny, but it is funny. I mean, maybe it is supposed to be funny. I don't, how many times are you saying, I'm, I can't believe I did that. Or I, can't, I thought I was past that, and now I'm back in here. And I already said, okay, the dog just barks at little kids that are walking on the sidewalk. I'm not going to get mad when he barks. Stop barking at the kids. You can't help it. You can't help it. Because part of that is because you've got these internal, if I've got these internal habits running around, it gets to the point where we've got these compulsions. We've got these behaviors. Okay, I, I'm setting it up like you can't help it. But what we're real, the real problem is, because everyone's working on those and you don't need me to come in and say, don't work on them. The real problem is when we say, well, it's not a problem. It's fine that I'm doing that thing. I, I don't even notice it as something I need to improve. So how do you get to the point where you're really distancing yourself from some of this negative stuff? Because we're tr here jumping at the chance to what? Make things better. How do you make things better? There's a lot of ways, but a really important one that if you neglect it will undermine everything is we got to say no to certain things in a say no to certain things that we want to chew on and feel, say no to certain things that we want to do. So what is, thinking about it in terms of Lent again, right? You've got these people who not only say, I'm going to think about repentance, but I'm actually going to put a physical symbol on to start this period where I'm intentionally distancing myself from something. If, if you're not familiar with Lent, uh, how a lot of people practice it is 
They choose one thing that they feel like is one of these negative external habits. And I, even more important than whether it is negative is that you believe it is. So it's this, this critical step of flexing that spiritual muscle where you say, even though I want to do this thing to a certain extent or else I wouldn't be doing it. I know the, the guy was saying, I do, do not do the, what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Well, we hate it afterwards. But in the moment, we want to do it. So you have this, this ritual, this sign that gets us into, I'm going to say no to something. And Lent, essentially, if you had to break it down, is for 40 days, which is a great number to do something for. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. It, the 40, symbolically, is about completion of sort of a trial. For 40 days, we're going to distance ourselves from the external habit because internal habits are really hard to break and actually impossible to break if you don't distance yourself from the external habit. And the critical component here, oh, I use that word critical in the positive sense again. It's, impo- it's a habit. I, can, I, do, I do what I don't want to do. I can never remember that quote. So how are we going to get it so that we can do that? The key to that is this. It's about, and this is a, um, it's almost a pun that Chuck came up with, but I love it. So not just a scared no, but flip those two letters for a sacred no. A scared no would be, oh, I'm not going to do this thing, whatever it is that I've picked out. I'm not going to do it because I'll get in trouble if I do it. God will get me in trouble. My, whoever is holding me accountable will get me in trouble. That's a scared no. Or, or even I just feel like I'm sort of pressured. You know, everybody at, you know, this, this guy who's filling in for the pastor at my church said that I have to do this. So that's, that's a scared no. That's compulsion. There's not freedom in that. There's not, you don't really get why you're on board. You're just being told to do something, so you do it for the threat of some kind of negativity. But the sacred no is what we touched on a little bit before with that communication example with the person who was talking over other people at meeting, meetings. The sacred no is that you see, wow, if I say no to this, I am taking up the chance to make things better. And that's not just something that I'll tolerate, but that's the coolest thing that can be done is to try to make things better. So of course, I'm gonna push at this, not because it's gonna be easy, but because I genuinely believe it's right, that this will help somebody somehow, that this is good. That's the sacred no. And we're going to look into exactly what that means and how that engages with our freedom when we come back. But let's take a minute. We're going to listen to and watch a song. Let that sink in. What, where would it lead to approach this? I'm going to put something outside myself that's negative, not from being scared, so we have to do it, but it being sacred, and so we have this inner drive to do it. All right, so relax, watch the music. I'll talk to you more when you get back.
Okay, did you figure it out? Where are we gonna go with that? So, the sacred no versus the scared no gets at a fundamental principle of the way that God and religion and spirituality, which are these mechanisms by which we can connect back to God, or really technically that God can reach us. So, there's a couple of fundamental truths about God that we can put up on the screen for you. God is not about power as we would see it, but about relationship. And I think you've probably heard something like that. It wasn't always so that people would talk about God like that. It's fairly common in our society today, but there was quite a long time where people would talk about God as, and there still is a lot of talk about God as a, an angry power interested almost like a tyrant because if you disobeyed God this would make God very angry and there was very rigid lines that God wanted you to walk and if you don't walk those then you're in trouble which would lead to this scared no okay I won't do anything that you say because You'll come after me if I don't. I don't think we see evidence for that kind of God in the way that life is. Because how open-ended is life? Do you, do you have to believe that God exists? Do you have to go to church or do any of those things? Life is just this wide-ranging choose your own adventure. It does not seem like the handiwork. If you look at regimes where people come into power who want to exercise a huge amount of control and rule with an iron fist over a bunch of people, they don't just say, okay, here you are, do whatever you want, right? So this, I think, is evidence for the actual nature of God, which is God is looking for relationship because relationship is where we can be happy. And the way that we get relationship is through this sacred no, where we're, because God being the love of everything that's good, the desire to do everything good to the human race, God is the removal of all the stuff that pits us against each other and causes us to act in harmful ways and causes us to miss our potential. That's what God is. And so, of course, aligning with that, us saying, no, I, I want what God wants in this situation, sets that up. The second one is maybe even a little more radical. Religion is not about control as we would see it, but about freedom. Oh, it's about, wait, I'm sorry. Freedom? How is anything that's telling you what to do about freedom? Okay, so this is my take on that. 
New Church Theology has this awesome insight into what freedom actually is. We think of freedom as, well, you can just do anything. Freedom is you can do anything. You're free if you can go do anything. But functionally, actually what we mean when we say we want to be free, I want to be free, it means we want to get to do what we want to do. If I said, nobody is allowed from now on to throw any trash on the moon, right? Some people in principle might be bothered by that, but there's not going to be much of a pushback because people say, well, I can't do that anyway. I don't care. It's not worth fighting about. But if I say, you're not allowed to throw trash on the ground, some people will get very upset. If I, if, or if I say, you can't, nobody can wear blue. I'm just trying to think of what's something people want to do. When you want to do it and you can't do it, that's when you feel like your freedom is really impeded. There's actually two kinds of freedom. There is the freedom, a good freedom, and an evil freedom. You know that quote that I can never remember exactly, but what I do is not what I want to do. What I actually end up doing, I hate. How many of us are free as in no one externally is saying, you can't go do this, but we're trapped by some kind of negativity that I've been working on this issue for years and years and years, and I can't get out of it. I can't stop doing this because there's, there's internal bonds as well. So there's actually, yeah, freedom all relates to doing what you want, and there's positive freedom and negative freedom. And because there's always something pushing us towards something. That's fairly eloquent. What I mean is, there's always a drive in us to go and realize some kind of satisfaction. And if we've got all these negative, sort of short-sighted, self-destructive things that are just kind of blindly pushing us forward, and we really can't stop them, this is negative freedom. Positive freedom is, don't you want to be able to enjoy the things that are constructive? Don't you want to be able to enjoy the things that cause, that are totally, that everyone else agrees we are allowed to do, and that, that actually build relationship and community? This is the kind of freedom that saying no to things can introduce you into. For a while, it feels like compulsion because I have this negative freedom that's pushing me towards wanting these things, but I know, if I've taken the time to really dig in and learn, but I know that if I say no enough, the larger goal, if you step back, is to get it so that I don't really want that stuff. That stuff no longer has control over me, and now I'm free of it, free to versus free of, free from, free from it. And then, how many of us are free? You say, oh, I want to, I want to, you know, I wish I, what's a better father, or I wish I was a better partner. But I, but you need those those feelings to help you along. The positive freedom was freedom to become these better and better things that we want to be. So religion, even though it often presents as prescriptive stuff, saying, you know, don't do this or that, it's about freedom. It's about freedom, that God is trying to reach us. Yes, right, there are some things God is saying are not that great, but 
Why? It's for this free relationship that leads us to, once we put the work in, then you get to a place where you can go anywhere you want because what you want is this stuff that's good. It's this interesting story where somebody says to Jesus, teacher, what is the greatest command of the law? Because I've just been talking about these two things, relationship and freedom. Why didn't I just say freedom? Why don't I just say relationship? They kind of hold each other in them. And what does Jesus say? Do you guys remember? What's the greatest commandment? Well, Jesus gives you two. We'll get to them, what they are in a minute. But that's just, isn't that like a political answer? You're dodging the question. What's the greatest commandment? Well, it's this one and it's this one. Why two? Well, because two is written into who we are. And look what you've got in front of you. It's your hands. Helping hands. Everyone's talking about it. You've got to get your hands dirty and help. There's two of them. Why are there two hands? Why are there two sides at which we can come at something? This is a cool way to look at it. So it says the opposite of a correct, this is from Niels Bohr, if you're keeping track. The opposite of a correct statement is a false statement. But the opposite of a profound truth will be another profound truth. What do you mean? What are you talking about the opposite of a profound truth? Well, think about what you're talking about in opposition. What, what lets human beings do all kinds of fancy stuff like build stages and cameras and hold microphones? Opposable thumbs. It's because you've got, it's not, everything is broken down into two. Even this one thing and it's a hand, yeah, there's these two sides to it. There's this side that can move this way. I don't know which camera we're doing here. This side that can move this way. And there's this side that can move this way. And the cool thing is, they can pinch together and they can hold stuff. That's actually a pretty big deal. And that principle of you needing to have two things that can actually come at the same thing from different angles, this is how you're able to manipulate matter and accomplish things. So yeah, it's important that there are these two great commandments. And it's important that we come at them both. We can't, if we're going to get out of where we are, which is this critical compulsive loop, when we're in it, right? There's all this positive stuff. We're not talking about the positive stuff today. But if we're going to get out of where we are, you're going to need to climb out. And for that, we're going to need both hands. So you think about, we're just going to put a, slide of a little baby up because it's so cute and if you think about caregiving like i just want this is just like an example of where we're trying to get to you think about both what it's like to be a little kid but also like when you're caring for a super cute little kid there's none of this critical compulsive loop you don't really think about unless Maybe we do, but you usually don't think about, well, that's, that's stupid that that little kid said that, or they have a dumb-looking outfit on. You just, you just forgive everything. I mean, you just, everything is cute. Even when they're bad, it's cute. Uh, 
not all the time. Okay, I have, I have a daughter. I, I know it's not always easy, but there are these phases where you're like, wow, that's just cute. It's just cute. Even though it's not supposed to be cute right now, it's cute. So how do we get ourselves to there? How do we get out of this critical compulsive part of our lives, which usually we sit there and we're feeding and feeding. We need these different, two different sides to come at it. So Jesus says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two great commandments. So we're thinking about those like these two hands. If it was just love the Lord your God, which we can go in deeper and deeper on what that means, but you can also look at it as you know, love what's good and then love what's true. In both cases, if, if you just take it at face value and say, okay, I'm going to focus on God all the time, think about God and what's God doing and do holy sorts of things. One, you would miss out on your opportunity to do well in the world, but, but two is you would never really understand what God is because God is the eternal constant desire to help people. God is the love of helping people. So how are you going to know God without knowing the primary handiwork. And if you're just looking at people and how am I going to help people? How am I going to do this thing for this person? It's cool, but you never get the perspective. You never are able to really understand what people are if you don't look at the God side of it and and why we help each other and how the whole thing clicks together. So you have these two commandments and he says on these two, all the law and the prophets hang on these two great commandments. And the Law and the Prophets, by the way, is shorthand for the entire Bible. And the Bible, being the written word, is like all the instruction, everything about how to use those two hands to distance ourselves. So we're looking at back to our circle of life here. And you've got the, uh, oh, can you put that uh, next one up? You've got this uh, negative critical internal habit we're trying to get rid of. We've got this negative critical compulsivity, this external thing where you're doing all this stuff is not good. And for, for ourselves here, the last part of a chance to make things better, we have this sacred no where we're pushing that away. Once we're doing that, what comes in when you've made that space? So, you know, when you breathe, you're not actually, I don't think, sucking in air. You're just creating the space. And then air from the atmosphere pressure rushes in there. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. And well, either way, it's an awesome metaphor for to say, saying no to this negative stuff. It's just like opening that space up and then this goodness and truth can flow in. So in the positive side, which I said we would get to the positive stuff, you have this freedom in this relationship, these two different hands that God uses. Because isn't it interesting that it's not just one of them? That that's a, they almost seem like they're the opposite. Like, I, I'm God and I want, really want to hang out with you, but you can hang out with anyone you want. Why do that? Why not just say, I'm going to put this on the agenda. We have to love each other and spend our lives together. Because 
what that gets you when you combine those two, and they're, they're both coming at the same thing from the different sides. And what's that thing in the middle is a relationship of actual love. Love has this freedom inside it. It's not the scared no. You could just say, come over here. Well, I'm, I'm God, you're a person. Do what I want. But there's not the, the sacred in that. But the sacred is what the middle meeting of freedom and relationship. Which is cool. And which also, you think about how we're trying to, as we put away these negative things in ourselves, what that does to everyone around us. You know, that we are able to leave them in freedom by not impinging on what they're doing through all of our, whatever it is, our foibles. Don't worry about them. It's just, it's just good to identify, remember, that stopping to push people away. And then you're, by, by the love that comes into that space, it's like an invitation. You know, like I'm, I, I, instead of this dysfunction I was giving you, I'd, I'd like to have a relationship, but I'm not, I'm not going to force. But when somebody, when we remove that negative stuff between each other that messes everything up, and then when we're able to come together of our own free will. That's like the little, every little, every person that you love and they love you just because they want to, that's a little image of, of God, of the human God relationship, of the point of all of life. And not just an image, but like an instance that the totality of God's connection to the human race is all these little connections that we have in each other because really it's God's love in one person recognizing God's love in the other person. Those two things are joining together. And it's through that joining that we're able to create this thing that's called heaven, which heaven is what happens when you've really made things better. And that's what this is all about. So while it may feel like when you're in the trenches and you're working on, oh, I've got to identify, so this is uncomfortable. I don't like the fact that I've had to have a light shined on the fact that I'm imperfect and that I've maybe caused some harm. I don't want to have to deal with that. Oh, I'd have to try to resist this again. This is no fun. I'm scared. What could this mean? That's what it might feel like as we start and in the moment. I'm craving this, whatever. But that's not what it is. What it is is this goal we're getting towards, which is this free relationship. Uh, this, that, that when love takes the lead, love of God, love of the neighbor, and everything else hangs off of that. That's what we're looking for with our, our sacred no. That the no, when I mean, think about the no when we say no to something negative, we think about the yes that's going to follow that when we're all just full of love. Okay? And that's what we want to think about today. So, I'm going to leave you in freedom for this prayer. I'm not going to preface it by saying something, just what, however you want to approach God in your thoughts for a minute here. If you want to say, okay, I want to start to look at something negative and put it out, you can. But you don't have to. You know where you are in your life. So wherever you want to go. Let's just have a couple of moments of silence while we've got this sphere to have your own little speech with God.
should be longer next time. It's fun, but I don't know how much of that dead air we want to put in this. <laughs> so continue the conversation on your own. Think about the two hands. How am I going to come at this from different angles? How am I going to do that? It's exciting. I, I like the idea of let's, let's, let's do this ultimate act to make things better and appreciate other people's sacred nose when, when they're trying to not do something. If it's something you don't struggle with, appreciate and honor that they are putting up the good fight there because it's really one fight that we're all doing together to, to make the world a better place, which is great. All right. Thank you, everyone, for thinking this through with me. Let's end as it all settles and gels and becomes active and ready to deploy in your life. Let's, uh, let's have one more song to lift the spirits and uh, digest our spiritual meal.